Hello and welcome to this podcast from Fields Church. Fields Church have a heart for God and a heart for people, and we hope that you find this podcast both inspiring and uplifting. If you'd like to know more about our vision for this community, why not visit our website at www.fieldschurch.uk. Right. So we've got all the all the bits and bobs. Um, I just want to thank Josh for his word last week. That was absolutely amazing. Um, the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes, everything that Jesus said is completely counterintuitive to everything that society says today, everything that we think today, everything that everything is pointing towards today. So I just wanted to remind us um, what the Beatitudes have to say. Jesus said, Blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That goes against pretty much everything that society stands for. Oh, hold on a sec. I just need to have a quick check. Um, Right, quick. Facebook. Do you know, I've got 650 friends on Facebook. Great. But I need to get to 1,000. I really need to get to a thousand because I don't, you know, I'm I'm a little bit nervous. That makes me feel a bit inadequate. I haven't got a thousand friends on Facebook, um, but that's that's for the weekend. Hold on a minute. Just let me have a look. Um, LinkedIn, ah, oh, because I go on LinkedIn. I, I put I put all my stuff on LinkedIn. Um, I made sure I look really important. I've exaggerated the job role a little bit. Um, that word deputy, I felt that was unnecessary, so we got rid of that one. Um, so I've, I've had a quick look there, and um, I've got lots of people to endorse me. So it looks like I'm really good, and everyone's really, really happy with everything I do. So I, I, I look amazing, I think. So that's um, Facebook, I'm really popular. Um, LinkedIn, I'm really successful. Um, hold on a minute. Just a quick picture. Just the light's better over here. There we go, Instagram up there. I'm also desperately good looking, because look, red shirt, ironed it, everything's nice. I had to iron the stomach as well to keep that in. <laughs> so there we go. So Facebook, uh, yep, popular. LinkedIn, yep, successful. Instagram, beautiful. Right, I'm just going to do a quick, oh, I'll just send a tweet. Hold, hold on a sec, have you got a minute? Okay, I'm just going to send a tweet. Right. Oh, send. Oh, they'll think that's funny. So, um, right, so Facebook, I'm popular. Um, LinkedIn, I'm successful. Uh, Instagram, I'm beautiful. And Twitter, I'm desperately witty. Excellent. <laughs> Blessed are the meek. <laughs> right, so, as I said, Meekness, what does it mean? Mildness, gentleness of spirit, humility. Everything 
that goes against how we seem to run society, we seem to operate today. Josh made a, a reference to C.S. Lewis last week um, from his Narnia series. Another thing that C.S. Lewis said is describing um, meekness. He said, it's not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. Not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. So, Jesus said, um, blessed are the meek. And there's a reference there to something that is written in the Psalms. So what I'd like us to do, if you've got a Bible or you've got a phone, and if you're not on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and all the other... I know it's tempting, but please... Um, that's the only danger with the, the Bible on your phone, isn't it? You can say, oh, Mark, he's, he's waffling on a bit. Tell you what, I'll check me. Yeah, OK. So, can you have a look, please, at Psalm 37? I want to have a quick look at the first 11 verses in Psalm 37. And it links and it relates to what Jesus said when he said, blessed are the meek. Do not fret because of those who are evil, or be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass, they will soon wither. Like green plants, they will soon die away. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord Trust in him, and he will do this. He will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn, your vindication like the noonday sun. Be still before the Lord, and wait patiently for him. Don't fret when people succeed in their ways, when they carry out their evil schemes. Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret. It leads only to evil. For those who are evil will be destroyed, but those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. A little while, and the wicked will be no more. Though you look for them, they will not be found. But the meek will inherit the land and enjoy peace and prosperity. So, what do the meek do? If we go through that psalm, it sort of explains what the meek do. And I would broadly sort of cover a lot of these points in three different areas. They trust, they commit, and then they have patience. So they trust, they commit, and they have patience. Patience isn't just waiting. Patience is genuinely waiting, quietly, relying. You know, how many of us have got children and they've been, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? From the back seat. Um, Josh, who's not here, Josh Tree, um, tells the story of, of his grandmother, my mum, who used, used to take him and his brother when they were younger 
to um, Frinton in the summer. And they used to drive there. And he thinks my mum's really nice. Because he said, oh, I remember, Gran used to give us a jelly baby every 10 or 15 minutes. So they'd be driving along. Now, if you know my mum, getting to Frinton would take a while. So she'd be trundling along, and every 10 or 15 minutes, she would reach back and give the boys a jelly baby. Now, he thinks she was being really nice. Those of, our parents, those of us who are parents know, while you're sucking a jelly baby and making it last the requisite 10 minutes till the next one arrives, you're not going to be talking and asking, are we there yet? Are we nearly there yet? How much longer? And all the rest of it. So, patience is waiting quietly. So what do the meek do? Let's have a look. In verse 1, it says, Do not fret because of those who are evil or be envious of those who do wrong. Meek people don't worry. They're not envious. Meek people don't worry. They're not envious. We can sometimes look on the other side of the fence, and the grass looks greener, can't we? I did look up. I thought, I'll Google, why does the grass look greener? And I got the answer, and it's, I, I don't really like the answer. I like to think the grass is greener, because when you get over there, there's just more poo. <laughs> so often, actually, no, genuinely, the grass looks greener, because you're looking at it at an angle, and it looks greener. When you're actually there looking down, you can see all the bits in between. So meek people... Don't worry and aren't envious. They don't fret because those are evil or envious of those who do wrong. We see people and they're successful and they're doing well and we want a bit of that. But do you sometimes find you get to the top of the ladder and you worry what it's lent against? I know at home I've got to um, mend a bit of guttering because there's a bit of guttering. Every time it rains, the water drips, comes over, something or other, and I know I need to go up there. I'm a little anxious, A, because I don't like heights, and B, I think, when I put the ladder up there, what am I going to put my ladder against? Am I going to put it against that guttering? Is it going to fail? What's going to happen? So I would ask, what have we got our ladder lent against? What else do the meek do? They trust in the Lord and do good. Verse 3 says, Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Dwell. When, we, when it says there, they dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture, what do we understand by that? Dwell means we stay there. We dwell there. We hang on there. We spend time there. Do we, do I, do you, go wandering, exploring, we're dissatisfied? God may have given us something, but we want the next thing. We want the thing that someone else has got. That always looks a little bit better. I've got my thing, but my thing isn't quite good enough anymore. Are we dwelling in the land and enjoying safe pasture? If you read Psalm 23, David talks all about how God leads his people 
watches out for them, give them safe pasture. They've got water to drink. He looks after them. Or do we wander off? Are we sometimes dissatisfied? Do we want something else? What else do the meek do? If we look in verse 4, it says, Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. I remember watching um, Strictly Come Dancing. Well, it was on. Um, and when Bruce Forsyth used to do it, he always used to say, oh, you're my favourite, good game, good game, but you're my favourite, didn't he? Everyone was his favourite. Do you know what? We're all God's favourite. We are all God's favourite. When I was little, it was obvious. I had uh, uh, one of my set of grandparents most definitely had a favourite. I won't tell you which one of me and my other two brothers it was, other than the fact it wasn't me. But when it came to... When it, not that I'm bitter. But when it, came to, when it came to birthday times and Christmas, me and one of my other brothers, we got a present each, and the other brother, his present was generally at least twice as big. I remember he got a... He got a oh, I know. I remember one time he got a pedal car, and... This pedal car had an opening bonnet, an opening boot, it had lights that worked, it had a proper handbrake. It was an absolute beast of a thing. It was amazing. I can't remember what I got that year, but it wasn't probably quite as impressive as this proper, full-on pedal car with hubcaps. It actually had hubcaps and blow-up tyres and everything. It was amazing. But God's not like that. God loves us all. We are all God's favourite. So if we take delight in the Lord, he will give us the desires of our heart. We don't have to fight, we don't have to strive, we don't have to climb, we don't need pointy elbows. We can be meek because we're all God's favourite. Verse 5 says, commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will do this. He will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn. So what else do the meek do? They commit their way to God. They trust in him. Our righteous reward shines like the dawn. You know what? The light always wins. Doesn't matter how dark things are, if the light is there, the light always wins. The darkness never wins. And it says, he will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn. Do you know what? If we're peaceful, if we're quiet, if we're content, other people will want to know what we've got. I've got a dog at home. She's an interesting creature. Some people she likes, some people she doesn't, some people she leaves alone, other people she actually tries to eat. You know, it's, it's a diff we have a difficult relationship with our dog. But I'm always a little bit nervous when the dog's quiet. I never quite know what's going on. Um, let me just show you. I got bought this um, for, for Christmas, for my birthday. Um, 
came down one morning, the dog had found it on the kitchen worktop, had gone over and passed a whole lot of things that were on the worktop in order to consume my Bible. Oh, how I laughed. (laughs) But you know what? If we're quiet, if we're peaceful, if we are meek, other people will want to know, what are you up to? Why aren't you scrabbling? Why aren't you fighting? Why aren't you striving? They'll want to know. Because if we commit our way to the Lord and we trust in him, he will make our righteous reward shine like the dawn. Verse 7 says, Be still before the Lord. Wait patiently for him. Don't fret when people succeed in their ways. If we're still and wait for God, I would possibly like to change the wording very slightly. Do you know what? We get to wait with God. We get to wait with God. While we're waiting, as the song said, God is with us. I imagine sometimes, you know, I've had times where I've missed a train or I've, I've got somewhere early and I have to wait. Often I have to wait by myself and that's a bit tedious. But if I'm waiting, who else would you really like to wait with? Wouldn't you like to wait with God? Wouldn't it be great company? We get to wait with God. But if we look at that verse 7... It says, be still before the Lord, wait patiently for him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways. And I I looked through the psalm, and a lot of times the word fret comes up. And I thought, I was looking at this last night, and I thought, fret is not a word that we use very often. Fret is not a word that is in our everyday vocabulary. So I thought I'd have a bit of a look and see what it means. It means constantly or visibly anxious. Are we sometimes constantly and visibly anxious? All through that psalm, it tells us not to. But what I didn't realise is there's another element to the meaning of the word fret. And that means to gradually wear away something. I've been through periods in my life where I've been stressed, I've been anxious. In the end, I had to go to the doctor and they said, you've got stomach ulcers, you need to take this stuff. I said, how have I got stomach ulcers? He said, because you are constantly worried, you are constantly anxious and you are eating away at yourself. Fretting will constantly eat away at ourselves. Meek people who wait on the Lord don't have to fret. We don't have to be consciously or constantly anxious. We can wait on the Lord. We will not constantly eat away at ourselves. But while we're waiting... Last thing, it says, meek people don't get angry or worry. Verse 8, refrain from anger, turn from wrath, 
Do not fret. It leads only to evil. If we're waiting, and we're waiting peacefully, then we don't have to get angry, we don't have to fret. I'd like to ask the question, I have to ask this of myself quite often. Are we the person we would like to be with? Are we the person, and is God making us the person who we would like to be with? And then we will shine like the midday sun. So, we've talked about meekness. We've talked about meekness being handing things over to God. We've talked about waiting patiently. We've got this image, probably, when you looked at blessed are the meek, you're probably thinking, meekness, well that's quietness, that's stillness, but you may have been thinking, that's weakness. You could be looking at, oh, the gentle Jesus, meek and mild, and so on. But again, if you look into meekness, often the parallel that is drawn is of a war horse. If you look at, and you look into meekness, they'll say, it's actually power under control. It's actually the war horse. It's the fact you've got this horse, and it's got immense power, but it's constrained. God is saying, I've got immense power, and it can be dwelling in you, but it can be controlled. Again, to use C.S. Lewis and Narnia, it's brilliant that C.S. Lewis, the sort of the, 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 the God character in Narnia, is a lion. And you know that that lion is so powerful. You know, it could tear your face off with one claw, one paw. And yet, through the story, Aslan, the lion, is gentle, is meek, looks after the children, and so on. Actually, next weekend, I'm not going to be here. Some of you are thinking, hurrah. (laughs) The reason I'm not here, Cindy and I are going away. She bought me a birthday present. Now, some of you will appreciate this. My birthday present is I get to go on a driving experience. Yes. I'm getting... Now, those of you of a certain age will appreciate this. Others of you, Google. I'm getting to drive an E-type Jaguar. Yes. Now, the roads, the road out there, and most roads are constrained by speed limits. So you imagine this E-type Jaguar purring. You is purring along at 40 miles an hour or 50 miles an hour. You know that it's capable of over 100 miles an hour, you know it's capable of immense speed, and it can go quickly, and yet it's under control. It might not be next week, I can tell you, (laughs) but it's under control. So what I want to do is look at just a couple of examples of meekness in the Bible to explain what I mean by that. So, yes... We, to be meek, we are patient. Yes, we rely on God. But that doesn't mean that necessarily that we are weak. So let's look at a couple of examples of meekness. Moses, 
In Numbers 12, verse 3, it says, Now Moses was a very humble man, more humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. So Moses, the Bible says, was humble, was meek. A bit like, you know, we're saying we should be. So let's look at some examples from Moses' life which shows that, yes, he relied on God. Yes, he trusted on God and he waited, but that does not mean that he was weak. So, Moses argued the Israelites' case to Pharaoh. Now, you and I, we've read the story and we say, yep, okay, so we went to see Pharaoh. But do you really realise how powerful Pharaoh was? How mighty Pharaoh was? There were millions of Israelites who were in captivity and Pharaoh was the ultimate ruler of the nation that kept them in captivity. And Moses went and argued the case. And Moses had God on his side, so periodically... Pharaoh would say no, and Moses would say, yep, okay, plague. And yet Moses argued the case for Pharaoh, although he was more humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. Then, when it came time to leave, he led the people of Israel out of Egypt. Apparently, there were about two and a half million of them. So, okay, so he's meek and gentle. And yet, he managed to get two and a half million people very quickly to get all their stuff together and get out of the country. Then they got to the Red Sea. And it was like, right, two and a half million people, if you'd just like to hold on a minute. There's a sea here, and there's lots and lots of very angry soldiers coming the other way. And he waited and God parted the Red Sea, and they got across. But Moses had the strength of character as a person to stop two and a half million people, get them to wait there while the soldiers approached, to then ultimately, with God's strength, God's power, get them across the Red Sea. Moses spoke directly to God. God gave Moses the Ten Commandments. He gave him the law. And whilst Moses was away talking to God, the Israelites, as we all do, messed up. And Moses got angry with them when he came back down the mountain and saw what they had done. He dropped the tablets. The Ten Commandments, which he had been given by God, got smashed. Do you think Moses at that point of time was weak? No. Two and a half million people were wandering around the wilderness and periodically they complained. They got out of captivity and then they started saying, has God brought us here to die? Moan, 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 moan. We've got nothing to eat. Okay, you can have manna and so on. Oh, we don't like manna, we've had enough of manna. There have been times, I have to admit, with children where they have moaned about a plate of food and that plate of food has been removed from the table and placed in the bin. Is that necessarily weak? Because Moses dealt dealt with the complaints of the people. 
He was Israel's judge. His father-in-law said to him at one point, you are doing too much. You are dealing with all the complaints. You are sorting everything out. Was Moses weak? No. Moses was relying on God. Moses did all of that with God's help. Jesus. Jesus said in Matthew 11, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. So Jesus, we imagine Jesus being meek. We imagine Jesus being mild. What was Jesus' job? He was a carpenter. How long was he a carpenter? Probably till he was about 30. Is that a weak job? He did manual labour until he was 30 years old. I don't imagine he had electric drills. I don't imagine he had all of the devices that assist us in cutting wood, shaping wood, dealing with wood nowadays. Everything was done by hand. He wasn't weak. A few weeks ago, as a church, we fasted and we gave up things for two weeks. I gave up lunch. Other people gave up social media. Other people gave up meat or various different things. Jesus, he fasted for 40 days. I sort of, I didn't, well, I suppose I, maybe I did moan a bit about not having lunch for two weeks. Jesus fasted for 40 days in the wilderness. And then at the end of that, he had the personal attention of the devil trying to get him to do things. Do you think Jesus was weak? After 40 days of no food, no water, in the wilderness, in the middle of nowhere, and then the devil had a go, and Jesus used God's word against the devil, and Jesus came out victorious. Do you think Jesus was weak? No. Jesus argued with the religious rulers. There's a, there's a verse where Jesus tells them that you're constantly trying to look good. You've got these enormous boxes with God's word attached to you. You've got massive tassels. You know, it's like a case of tassel one-upmanship. My tassels are bigger than yours. And Jesus argued with them. He showed them for what they were. Do you think he was weak? He turned over the tables in the temple. They were doing, the, you know, they were doing things they shouldn't have done in the temple. Jesus went through the temple, upturned all the tables, created a whip and drove everyone out. Do you think he was weak? If we see things which are not right, should we, like Jesus, react to that? Yes, we should. That doesn't mean to say we're not being meek. We're relying on God. And ultimately, Jesus withstood torture and he carried his own cross. You actually read what Jesus went through. It was horrendous. And then he was given a whacking great piece of wood and asked to carry it. Was he weak? 
So Jesus is asking us to be meek, but he's not asking us to be weak. So what do we mean by meekness? How can we sort of practically look at this? I would suggest it's a question of not overinflating your self-estimation. Not overinflating your self-estimation. In Romans, the writer says, Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment, in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. We've all got strengths. It's fine to admit that we've all got strengths. There are things that some of us are good at. But also, some of us have got weaknesses. There are things we are not so good at. In God's family, we are all parts of one body. Doesn't mean to say one part is more important than another. Doesn't mean, you know, if the head said, I can manage without some other internal organ, they would fairly soon find that the head can't. Don't necessarily strive for something that someone else has got. That's what the psalmist was getting at. We all have strengths, but we all have limitations. And we shouldn't necessarily always try to portray ourselves in the best possible light. Yesterday, um, Cindy and I were redecorating the living room. So those of you who have been round to ours, my... um, Stepdaughter had compared our living room to a children's TV set. It looks like something off Blue Peter and whatever. Because it was a happy juxtaposition of purple, grey, yellow, orange, blue, and a range of what I thought was cheerful colours. I've now been told that that's not the way forward. So we were redecorating yesterday. And I'm, to my shame, occasionally... I did try to portray myself in the best possible light. In that, when it was pointed out that my cutting in wasn't quite straight, and I had strayed onto a bit of the ceiling, I would point out that, well, the purple was there before, so I need to put the the, the new colour over that bit. And generally, there was always a positive spin on every single one of my failures. To the point that Cindy went upstairs and requested a very bright lamp, which she followed me round with to make sure that I could see exactly what I was doing. Because, again, another excuse is, oh, it's a bit dark, I can't see what I'm doing. So, don't overinflate your self-estimation. Look at yourself in the best possible light. Um... Jesus did that. John the Baptist um, was doubting um, what Jesus was doing. And Jesus replied, Go back and report to John what you hear. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Jesus didn't have an inflated self-image but he also didn't have an inferiority complex. It's okay 
to be good at things. It's okay because your talent, your ability comes from God. But on the other hand, don't have an inferiority complex. Another thing about meekness, don't assert yourself for yourself. Jeremiah writes, and he said, For the Lord, the Lord said to me, Don't say I'm too young. You must go to everyone I send you and say whatever I command you. Don't be afraid of them, for I am with you and will rescue you. Remember that Jeremiah later was the person who wrote about, I know the plans I have for you, said the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. So we should be using the power, the ability we have to serve others. Yes, in meekness, not over-inflating our own strength. Because at the end of the day, going back to my point, do you want or would you like to have an arrogant, self-seeking friend? No. Jesus once said, what good would it be for someone to gain the whole world and yet forfeit their soul. I want to just look at the words there just for a second. Gain the whole world. That means strive to achieve, to get, to fight for, to try. Remember the story in the Bible about the man who, who made as much as he could, yeah. built new barns, filled his barns, built huge barns, filled them all up and said, yes, I've made it. And God said, tonight, your soul will be required of you. What good was that? What good would it someone to gain the whole world when it says the meek will inherit? Do you have to do anything to inherit? Why fight to gain the whole world when the meek can inherit the world? Why fight, strive? Again, as I said, this is counterintuitive to what um, society is all about. Why fight, strive, climb, stand on other people, make yourself look in the best possible light, exaggerate, and so on, when the meek will inherit the earth? Thanks for listening. If you'd like to know more about Fields Church would like to contact us or have prayer requests, please email hello at fieldschurch.uk and we'll get back to you. May God bless you this day.